0: Destination Medicine is a collaborative initiative of regional training hubs. With first-hand lessons learned from those who have gone before, this podcast is designed to assist and inspire anyone interested in pursuing a medical career in rural and regional Australia.
1: Welcome to Destination Medicine. I'm Nicole Goodman, these days, Dr John Wenham is a well-established GP in Broken Hill. But all this is a long way, quite literally, from his earlier GP life in Manchester, England. Why make the move from a seemingly successful UK career to somewhere so far removed from English life? To be honest, John says, he wasn't sure about a medical career at all when it came to making a choice at school, tossing up between that and the law. Medicine 1 and he completed his medical degree at Manchester University. Over the years, John visited Australia many times. He swears his reasons for settling here were not to do with neighbours or home and away. Perhaps taking a chance in life had more to do with it, as he and his wife Sarah, a palliative care specialist, weighed up the difficult choices about work and family life. And John's Christian faith played a part too. First... John takes us back to the end of his time at medical school in the UK, trying to make decisions that all medical students confront. He had enjoyed studying obstetrics and gynaecology. What direction should he head in? And as John tells Heather Dawson, he carries a message about that for his own students now as they try to chart their own career paths.
0: I say to medical students now that the main decision I realise you have to make is am I a generalist or am I... A specialist? Where am I more comfortable being? And I think I hadn't really thought about that at all when I finished med school. I just figured that I had enjoyed obstetrics and gynecology. I liked the fact there was some surgical part to it. I loved the idea of bringing new life into the world. So I pushed quite hard during my intern year to get a resident placement as an obstetrician and gynecologist, which I was successful in doing. I had a six-month placement, but I realised fairly rapidly that that combination and the narrowing of your knowledge base was not where I wanted to be. So after six months of that, I went into ED and felt a lot freer to use everything I'd learned in medical school. So I realised at that point that I was definitely a generalist, not a specialist.
2: Do you think you need to go through that sort of experimental journey to make up your mind, really?
0: I think so because yeah, there's one thing: studying and being a shadow and having a bit of a dabble as a medical student. But when you're actually doing the job for real, and I think that's the good thing about Australia, is that you know over two years uh, as an intern and as a resident, you can get through eight or ten different specialties for ten weeks each, and really get a feel. In mean, short, sure, it's not the same as working it forever, but you can certainly get more of an immersion in it and uh, work that out. So I think that would be similar for a lot of people. I think there's some people that want to be surgeons from the day they go to medical school, but I think they're fairly unusual. It's more common to find your way through. And I guess for me, ED was one thing, and I really loved the variety, and I loved the bat phone going off and having to deal with significant emergencies. But I gradually, once I had experience the following year to do GP and paediatrics, I realised Actually, I would trade the bat phone for the continuity of care you get as a GP.
2: Okay. Well, majorly, you left the UK and moved to Broken Hill, John. So how did that ever happen?
0: Well, it's quite a long story. And probably for a podcast, I should keep it a bit terser than normal. But I did my elective in Melbourne in 97. Did the Red Centre in the East Coast on the Greyhound and got back to Sydney. So I'd like to work there at some point. Came over in 04 and worked in ED for six months as a registrar, having done my GP training. And then we went back to the UK. My wife was doing a palliative medicine training and I got myself a partnership or was seven years in a practice in Manchester with a good friend of mine and everything was going really well. So I wasn't really looking to move. We were looking at trying to relocate once Sarah got a palliative care consultant post, which was an hour's drive north of where we lived. And so we were trying to weigh up what we we're going to do with our three, four-year-old with school, trying to think how we could deal with that. So I'll be honest, though, my kind of main mark and all that decision-making was, well, this practice that I've been part of, I've got the privilege of being in with the guy that's three years older than me, and we can carve our own path, was really fixing my ideas of what was possible. But yeah, I think probably middle of 2011, I had a number of things that came up. I'm a Christian. I was thinking about how we work our way through this stuff. And two things in summary. One was a challenge to think about what am I really clinging on to in life? And that's defining my decision making. That was obviously the practice for me. And the second thing that happened was, I guess, in a time of spiritual seeking, had this very short uh, sort of direction in my head, which came three times over three maybe a couple of months and it was put your house on the market and i was like why am i doing that but shared with sarah sarah said fine off we go put the house on the market and we didn't know where we were going but within the next couple of weeks i saw an advert for the flying doctor and the rest is really quite history the whole thing opened up and here we are
2: yes well you spent uh, four years providing care to people in rural and remote new south wales with the Flying Doctor Service. Tell us about visiting those remote communities and uh, are there any experiences that have remained with you that you could share with us?
0: I think the biggest thing that stands out for me is the resilience of what we call the bushies or the cockies, is what some of the local guys call them. But, you know, they're out on properties that are bigger than you can imagine getting your head around the number of acres or hectares, you know, into the hundred thousands, you know, just. Nearest neighbor is probably a 40 minute drive away, you are isolated, and so their level of resilience is really high. But at the same time, they come across some pretty difficult times. I and mean, we just the three year drought out here only broke just before Christmas. And uh, we've got friends that live on properties now that we've got to know through work, and you know, just seeing what that means to them, but also understanding just because you're resilient doesn't mean to say that you're not going to suffer from mental health issues. So, But also the welcome. You go out to these communities once a month and get picked up from the airport and uh, they drive you in and there's a whole heap of morning tea that they've all brought in, a plate of something. Um, I was actually caught on camera when there's 24 hours of emergency in Australia were filming and they managed to play me gulping down a scone. <laughs> <laughs> in between patients so I've got a reputation of being the doctor with a sweet tooth but um <laughs> yeah they love you for being there they're really grateful you've come and they look after you I mean there's no doubt about it so I think a real sense of community in these small places yeah I hope that's helpful.
2: Well adding to your doctor's role you're also highly involved in academia as well mm. can you tell us about that John why your interest has driven you there too and what you're actually doing?
0: Yeah, so I've kind of, I think since I became a GP in the UK, I had an advert come came across my desk about being involved in GP training in Manchester, and I just thought, yeah, I want to do that. So as well as having medical students in the practice back in Manchester, I'd spend a half day a week in Manchester teaching the year one and year two GP registrars. So that was always part of me and we also developed the practice itself to accommodate registrar teaching. So when I spoke to the flying doctor first up about their two medical officer posts, they said, Well, one of them is actually a sort of co joint conjoint position with the university. So Sydney Department of Rural Health is out here in Broken Hill, whole twelve hundred kilometres from the big smoke. And yes, so it turned out that I was able to, and I said, well, I'd be very interested in that. So it ended up being that I had one day of my five-day shift pattern was up here teaching and four days with the Flying Doctor. And then as I transitioned out of the Flying Doctor, the chap Malcolm Moore, who was sat in my seat four days a week as the director, uh, he moved across to Canberra. And so this position became vacant and I transitioned into that At one stage, I was full-time, doing one day of GP, and now I'm sort of sat 50-50, which really suits me well. Five half days a week of GP and the rest of the time. Up here, teaching the medical students. We have, we're trying, I mean, the key thing is, and part of this destination medicine thing is about, you know, getting medical students to come out here and have a good, long experience in their medical training. So we have four from Wollongong at the moment in their final year, two from Sydney in their third year, and three from Adelaide in their fifth year. So they're here for 10 months, and they're immersed in what is to be in rural medicine. And some of them go away with a really strong, positive experience and come back as interns or residents, which is the aim. My aim and my dream would be to see, you know, a higher percentage than 10 or 20% come back and see the value of investing in rural health.
2: What's your advice to those medical students or to any medical students listening to you now?
0: I think you've just got to be open-minded. I think it's very easy to see metropolitan medicine as where it's all at, you know, tertiary hospitals give me a much better value of training, etc. But I think if you spoke to the medical students that have spent 10 months out here, they would back me up by saying that the opportunities for hands-on with patients, both in general practice and the hospital, is much higher. And the patients here are very generous with their time, you're not joining a queue of lots of medical students. But or you've got to remember, all your tertiary hospital patients start out in primary care. So you will see these people. You don't have to be in some flash teaching hospital to do it.
2: Now, John, it was important for you to find balance. Hmm. You've spoken about clinical work plus academic work. How did you come to work at what used to be an allied health clinic?
0: Okay, so InterHealth, which is changing its name to Thrive Medical Centre next month. Mm. So I knew Heather. Heather is an occupational therapist, and they were running a lot of the mines. Obviously, here are a big thing in Broken Hill, and all the miners have to have occupational health assessments and medicals before they work in the mine, just establish where they're at and check they're healthy enough to go into a harsh environment. So I've been helping out once or twice a week, of an evening to do the medical sign-off for those I was just chatting to Heather thinking beyond the flying doctor what am I going to do and I talked to her about maybe transitioning into Medicare she was very supportive of that and yes yeah, so July 2016 InterHealth started having uh, GP appointments as well and Victoria who was at the flying doctor with me she came over half time as well So there were two of us by the start of 2017. And then there was a third doctor that came as well. So now they are building a big medical centre in town with MR, scanner, CT and all the bits. So we are looking currently for keen doctors to come work in remote health. (laughs) Is that a good advert? Yeah, It's a very good (laughs) advert, John, yes.
2: So do you think all up that Broken Hill has offered you the gamut of things that you would like to do with your career?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, it's very interesting. Patients are always checking. So you're not leaving, are you, doctor? You're not leaving. Because they're just used to a high churn. I think for a lot of doctors, the concern is about high school for their kids. I actually think Broken Hill has got two reasonable high schools. And our daughter's now in year eight. And she's doing some remote learning for math, science and English uh, with a sort of selective school for rural kids and does the rest of her classes in school. So we're pretty happy with that. But yeah, for me, the biggest thing was I might move on because of what Esther needed, but we're pretty happy with what she's got at the moment. And I think, yeah, I'm currently doing, started some research I've one year into a PhD in medical education and spirituality. So I get good support from David Lahr here to do that in my university time. So I think I've got a pretty good gig here. You are isolated in a way, but actually the sense of community is something you really feel. For me, going from being a flying doctor, where I was basically flying, fly out with Broken Hill as my base, to working in the community, you realise you're giving back something. You also feel a greater sense of belonging to that. And I think the medical students, we encourage them not to head off at weekends and to spend time in the community, and that is an important part of it. I think you're just not a name that goes into a faceless hospital or practice you do really get to know the patients and their social situations and things
2: okay final question then do you sometimes look back to see what uh, your career in Manchester might have been like in comparison no regrets in other words
0: yeah so I'm good friends with Nick who I practice with and we still speak two or three times a year and if I'm back in Manchester I'll see him so you know it's a good story we didn't fall out and I left to go to Australia and he'll say to me the first thing he'll say to me is mate, you've got out at the right time. You know, it's just the NHS has been under a lot of pressure. I'm sure Nick and I would have found our way through it, but now I look back and I don't have any... I think there are a lot of doctors that have come to Australia and certainly appreciate that there's a better work-life balance than in the UK.
1: GP Dr John Wenham from Broken Hill. This is Destination Medicine. Thanks for listening.
0: Regional training hubs are supported by funding from the Australian Government under the Rural Health Multidisciplinary Training Program.